This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see you in the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus. You know, he said there in uh, Matthew 16, and I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And so you are part of the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus. If you're a guest, I welcome you here today. If you're watching by live stream, we welcome you today. If you've got a Bible, go with me to the book of Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, and we are on, I believe, week 8 of the blessing. This is going a little bit of a, a little bit different direction today. This was an interesting one. I, I have meetings throughout the week trying to figure out where we're going to go and stuff. And I was in a meeting on Tuesday morning, and they said, where are we going, Pastor? And I said, I don't have a, I don't have a clue. Said, I got about three, four, five thoughts going through my mind, but it's incredible how the Holy Spirit begins to lead you throughout the week. So we will begin to dive in here, and I can tell you this God wants to bless you, but you play a part in it, okay? And part of your, your part is how well you choose to obey God. Obedience is huge in the eyes of God. So as you're turning there to, to Romans 5, I'm going to give you a little bit of time to get there. In the book of Genesis chapter 2, Father God said to Adam, he said, you can eat of any tree of the garden except that one, the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Don't, don't eat from it. And so right there when you read that, this is how good Father God is to every one of us. It is the choice of exercise. In other words, God gives you and me the ability to choose. And I will highlight the ability to choose with every choice that I make and every choice that you make, there are consequences. No matter who you are, no matter what type of age you are, with every choice you make, there will be consequences. So we begin this morning in Romans 5, and I'm going to be in the New Testament the whole this morning. We'll be in Romans 5, and then we'll go to 1 John 3. Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, just through one man sin entered the world. So he's talking about the choice that Adam made to sin. And then accompanied the sin, he said, and death through sin. He goes on to read here and finish this. He said, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. So I begin to look at these things here and I think about this guy named Adam. That God said that he sinned. So what was so bad that God defined what Adam did as sin? And I go back and I look and I read and I study. Adam didn't murder anybody. Adam wasn't in sexual sin. Adam didn't rob a bank. So what did Adam do to cause this to define because of this one man's sin? So the definition of sin or the core is this. Anytime we disobey God. 
Disobedience is sin. Same chapter. Verse number 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, Adam's sin, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Now, with condemnation, you get guilt. So because of, of Adam's action, not, not only was there a curse put upon us that we're all born with this nature of sin, but also guilt comes with it. But here's the good news. Even so, through one man's righteous act, Jesus Christ's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. So right there we begin to see some things. That Adam did this, but the Lord Jesus was sent to do this. And if you note on there what Jesus did, it said the free gift came to all men. I don't care who you are, it's for every one of us. Now we go to verse 19, and in this verse it's going to describe or define what sin is. Verse 19. For as one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. There it is. For one man's disobedience. So oftentimes we have the thought, well, sin is just this outward act. Sin is something that I do morally wrong. Well, that is partly true. But according to this, anytime I know what's right to do or what God has asked me to do and I don't do it, it's disobedience. And disobedience in God's eyes is sin. Now, just on those lines a little bit, let, let me help you how this has happened in my life. Sometimes when you say, I've gotten sin, I've fallen into sin. If I was to say that, you would all say, dang, who's pastor been sleeping with other than Shelly? Well, let me ease you a little bit. Nobody, okay? So when I get in and I say I've fallen over into sin, it can be easy as this. And this has happened to me. I've, I've been at the mall, and usually if you see me at the mall, I'm waiting on Shelly, okay? I'm practicing patience. And so I've been there before, and I'll never forget this one time. There was a lady that was pushing a young man in a wheelchair, and it was very evident he had some issues physically. And I sensed the Lord say this to me. Go lay hands on him in the name of Jesus, and I'll heal him. Now, if you ever want to know how God moves in your thoughts in that, would you think of doing that in your natural mind? In my natural mind, I wouldn't sit there and think, you know what I ought to do? I ought to go there and lay hands on him and heal him. So I always know, that's God moving. So when you have God thoughts, you can ask yourself this question. Would that be me? No. And so I never forget this day that that happens. And so I'm sitting there watching and you know what I did? Absolutely nothing. I disobeyed God. So in God's eyes, what I did was viewed as sin. Now, if you've ever done that, you, you can't get that time back. But you know what you can do? You can go before God and say, Father God, I blew it. I blew it. And what happens in you, the Holy Spirit begins to convict you. Not to beat you up, 
but to get you to a place of repentance. So we get back to the scriptures here. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Woohoo! So also by one man's obedience, many were made righteous or many were moved into a right standing with God. So when you look at the Lord Jesus, the scriptures say this, Jesus was obedient to the point of death. To the point of death, he obeyed God. Verse 20, moreover, the law or the Old Testament law of the word of God, it entered that offense might abound. Now, one purpose of the law was to make sin very obvious. But the other part of that is to make it evident to me and you. And I got to be redeemed. I got to have someone pay the price for it. I can't do this on my own. And God never intended that. So when he says here, moreover the law entered that offense might abound, listen to this. But where sin abounded, grace abounded just a little bit more. Much more. So what is grace? Grace is God's ability or God's power living in you to help you. So I, I look at my life and your life this way. We start walking this path to serve Jesus, and it's like a ladder. And I may take one step, I may take two steps, I may go up one rung, I go up another rung, and if you're human, which you are, wow, it's a great revelation, I'm a human. At times, I fall off that ladder. In other words, I get over into sin, but when I fall off the ladder, you know what God's grace does? God's grace comes, picks me back up, and puts me back on the ladder. And I go a little bit more, and I may fall off that ladder, but the grace of God. So when I talk about the grace of God, the grace of God is God's power. It's not you. And so welcome the grace of God, but something else with the grace of God. I challenge you to start asking God, Father God, grace me to walk in obedience to you. Grace me to live to please you. How many want to please God? I want to please God. It's kind of like pleasing my parents. I never once said, well, you know what? I really hope I tick my parents off today. I don't want to do that. I, I, I love when my parents are good with me. And so it's the same with Father God. Now, go with me to 1 John chapter 3, and that's way, way, way back there in the back. In the back of the New Testament. You've gone to Revelation, you've got to go back left just a little bit. First John chapter 3. So, remember the core definition of sin is when I disobey God. First John 3, verse 4. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. Whoever commits sin... Now, there's a difference between committing sin and continuing in sin. When I continue in sin, that becomes habitual sin. And that begins to show I'm willfully operating in this. I know what I'm doing, and I'm okay to do that. But he says something interesting. He says, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. Well, what is lawlessness? 
Well, the definition of lawlessness is the condition of being without law. Better stated, it means to not submit to the authority of God. Or better yet, I reject or I rebel against the word of God. So as I sin and I continue to sin and I habitually sin, before long there becomes a rebellion within me toward the things of God. I don't agree with the word of God. I don't want to live with the word of God. And so he said, sin is lawlessness. And now that he and know that he was manifested to take away our sins, in him there is no sin. So when I begin to look at this, Jesus came to eradicate sin completely. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, he made Jesus to be sin, that he would take our sin, that we would be the righteousness of God in Christ. So one of the ways that rebellion and lawlessness begins to work, Adam knew what God desired of him, but you know what God, or Adam said to God? I choose to obey Eve instead of you. That's exactly what he did. Now to help us a little bit more this morning where we're going, turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And I can just tell you this, throughout your days on this earth, you're going to have the opportunity to obey God or not obey God over and over and over. But something happens when I choose to say, I want to obey God. I want to live for God. Luke 14, verse 15. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Blessed is he who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. The word blessed there means happy, fortunate, to be envied. But another word means privileged is those who will eat blessing or the kingdom, bread in the kingdom of God. Now he said blessed. It is blessed to spend eternity in the kingdom of God. Now he tells us that right there. And so when I read this right here, God wants me to be blessed. He wants me to be blessed eternally. But he begins to uh, diagram some things in here that are very interesting. And he says this in verse 16. Then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and he invited many. I believe the, the man in here that he's talking about is Father God. And Father God is, is throwing this great party. And if you'll notice some words in here, he said he invited many. Now, throughout the rest of the morning, you're going to hear the word many times in different verses. But it said he invited many. Now, just think just a minute about the word invited. If John invites me to his birthday party, I choose whether or not I go to that. John doesn't get me in a headlock and say, I invited you to my birthday. You're going. See, that's how Father God is. It says he invited many. And so you're invited. I'm invited. Verse 17 And he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. I believe the servant that he's talking about here is the Lord Jesus. 
The reason I believe that is because the word servant right here is singular. It doesn't say servants. It said servant. If you study the scriptures, the Lord Jesus himself said, I came to be served. I came to serve, not to be served. So Jesus, he, he tells the will of the Father. And you know what he said? Come, come, come. It doesn't say he forced anybody. He made anybody. No, no, no. He said, come. So guess what with that invitation? The only ones that walk in that are the ones who obey the invitation who actually come. They actually do it. But the Father's will is spoken. Come. You've been invited. Now, I don't have to come. But there's incredible consequences when I don't come. Verse 18. But they, all these ones who are invited, with one accord, begin to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground, and I must go see it, and I ask you to have me excused. So is there something wrong with buying a piece of ground? No. No, but even buying a piece of ground seems so harmless until... My interest or my possessions override the will of the Father to come. In other words, I quit obeying what God said to do. And so again, they said, I want to make some excuses. I I want the kingdom of heaven, but I want to do it my way. Verse 19. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Is there anything inherently wrong with five oxen? No. Unless my job or my hobbies begin to override my submission to God. In other words, when those five oxen become priority instead of God. When I give my livelihood for those five oxen. Verse 20. Still another said, I've married a wife. I now have a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So was Jesus telling us it's wrong to get married? No. God's the one who created the marriage institution. But if you notice in there what he said, I've now married, and he said, to end that verse, he said, and I cannot come. So guess what he's saying? My wife or my spouse has become priority. I no longer have time for you, Lord Jesus. But we go back to how he started. He said, come, but I don't have time to come. So guess what? Within every one of these, there's disobedience. Now, with excuses, what type of excuses do you make? I cannot come. It's inconvenient. Better stated, I I got work to do. I got hobbies to do. I got financial responsibilities. I got family responsibilities. I got this and this and this and this. But the only way I walk in the blessing of verse 15 is to obey the command, come. So that command, come, must be priority. Oof. Obedience, obedience, obedience. 
Verse 21. Then the servant came and reported these things to his master, to the father. And the master or the father of the house being angry, he said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets, the lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor, the maimed, and the lame, and the blind. Go out and get the rejects of society, and maybe they'll obey me. Whoa. Whoa. Because the ones I invited, they didn't have time to come. Now, this may pertain to the Jews and the Gentiles. This may be what this is talking about. But I look at it a little differently, too, also. I, I believe he can be talking to the church or the unchurched. And remember, the Lord, he loved to be around sinners. He didn't have a problem being around them because he knew he would win them. Verse 22. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded. Now, that's an incredible statement. The servant, the Lord Jesus, he said, Master, I did what you commanded. And still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and, and compel them. Persuade them to come in that my house may be full. Come in. Come in. Persuade them. Come in. You got to serve God. Yeah, got to. Come in. Come in. But when I read that, man, the father's heart is exposed here. God doesn't come. Come. Verse 24. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Wow. The ones who had an honorary invitation, he said, You will not, you will not taste my supper. So as I looked at this, it wasn't because they were in sexual sin. And it wasn't because they murdered. It was because their life got too busy to obey Father God. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Is God against me working? No. Until my work habits Completely push God out. Is God against me having hobbies? No, God's not against you having hobbies until they become more important than God. And so again, when I look at every bit of this, he's saying, I got to obey. I, I got to obey. But I'll only obey you, Father God, if it's convenient, if it falls in my timetable. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to read just a couple more passages here. I, I had to run to Clovis yesterday. And I thought I was going over there for this one reason. But I found out real quickly it wasn't for that reason. So I see my brother, and me and him go to lunch, and it's just me and him. And when I sit down with him, I, can re I realize something's up with him. And when I, when I cry, you know it, man, I got big old crocodile tears. 
I cry all the time. And I, I have cried and cried the last few days, just wept before God in the presence of God. Well, when my brother begins to cry, he just oozes. His cheeks get all wet and everything. Well, I looked at him. I think, man, what's going on with him? And so he begins to ooze. And he begins to tell me some situations in his life. And I was supposed to be with him two weeks ago, and I couldn't do it. And he said to me, he said, I really need to see you two weeks ago. And I said, well, what's going on? And he said, I've got some areas in my life that the Lord is really, really dealing with me on obedience. Now, he's not in sin as far as murder or anything like that. It's just, do I obey God? Do I obey God in really, really difficult times, sticky times? Do I obey God and know that if I obey God, there's a chance in my home it's going to tick my wife off and tick my children off. Now, the Lord Jesus highlights this. He said, there will be times in your life where I'm more important than family. I'm more important than your children. I'm more important than your wife. And so he begins to reveal this and he begins to tell me this story. And so many of you know our friend Kelly Castleman who has the book. And Kelly, he's the one who walks in the gift of discerning the spirits and angels. So two weeks ago, they're praying. And he said, it is a powerful prayer session. Man, they are going at it. And after it was over, he said, Kelly turned around and pointed at me and goes, you need to obey God. And he said, I looked at him and I said, what'd you say? And he goes, you need to obey God. So everybody leaves the room. And my brother looks at him and goes, I want to talk to you in my office. So they go down there and he says, what do you know? And Kelly said, I'm not going to tell you. And my brother said, yeah, you are going to tell me. And he goes, I'm not going to tell you. And he said, yes, you're going to tell me. I need to know what the Lord showed him. Well, Kelly left the room. Well, when he leaves the room, my brother wrote on a, on a note card what the Lord had been dealing with him about. And he wrote it and he turned it upside down. And when Kelly came back in, he said, Kelly, tell me what the Lord showed you. And he told him. And when he tells him, my brother flips the card over and it's word for word what he said. And he said, I know this, that if I obey God in this situation, none of my family is going to really enjoy this. And so I looked at him. And I said, well, biblically, I like to pull the Bible. He, he can't argue with the Bible. And if he gets mad at me, I'll say, that's what the Bible says. So I said, well, biblically, in Genesis 22, when God told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, do you think that was an easy deal? Now, I'm going to put you in that question. Any of you got children, grandchildren or that? What would you do when God says, you need to sacrifice your children, Eddie? Sacrifice. Well, we read those stories and we just kind of blow them off like no big deal. It's huge. And so when Abraham obeyed God at the expense of sacrificing Isaac, if you study the story, later on, his little wifey, she wasn't happy. Actually, she died because of it. So he's looking at me, and when I quote Genesis 22, he stops me, drops his fork, and goes, 
what do you know? And I said, what do you mean, what do I know? And he goes, what's the Lord told you? And I said, maybe the Lord hadn't told me nothing. Maybe the Lord is using these scriptures to confirm to you, you better obey. And he begins to weep. And sometimes obedience isn't easy. And sometimes obedience may not be the most popular. And sometimes when you obey God, you may have people get irritated at you. But sometimes you got to realize this. I would rather obey God than please men. Easy? Never easy. But again, we want God to bless us, and we have this thought as human beings. I can do whatever I want. I can choose this, and God's obligated to bless me. No, he's not. Have you ever done that? I have done that, guys. I've ran spiritual red lights. What do you do when you run a spiritual red light and you disobey? You repent. Whoo, Father God. There's some of you in here right now. I'm not pointing at anybody, okay? I just know there's some of you in here. And this is a God thought. That you've wanted to obey God, but you know if you obey God, there's a chance you have family that's going to turn on you. God will grace you if you'll make that step. When you make that step, you know what that step is? You got to get out of the boat. You got to walk on the water. And to walk on the water, not many people are doing it. I'm not going to fall, okay? Don't get nervous. Matthew 24, verse 3. Now, as he said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? When and what will be the signs of your coming? Your coming at the second age. So you've heard that a couple times. Can I give you a little insight? Jesus is coming back. When, pastor? I don't know. Jesus doesn't know. The angels don't know. Only Father God said. So you know what he's telling us? He's coming back. So in this passage right here, he's giving me and you a warning Keep your bag packed for heaven, okay? Don't unpack, don't unpack your, your heavenly backpack. Don't unpack your heavenly soup. He's coming back. Live like he's coming back. Live like you got the rest of your life, but he's coming back tomorrow. In other words, serve God. Live God well, but serve God. Verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound... This is one of the main highlights of the second coming. Lawlessness will begin to abound. So if I ask a question in here, do you think our society is having lawlessness abound right now? What would you say? Yes, absolutely, Pastor. Lawlessness is abounding in our society. Well, I got a truth of, of a nugget here for you. When Jesus is writing this right here, he's not talking to society. He's talking to the church. Uh-oh. Lawlessness will begin to abound in the church. Rebellion and disobedience to God will begin to abound with the church. How do you figure that out? How can you say that? Keep reading. 
for the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. John 13, 34, Jesus says, love one another as I've loved you. When he says the love of many will grow cold, you don't understand love until you get born again. That's the only way I love. So when he says the love of, of God will grow cold, many, if we had time, we would go back into the book of Revelations 2. And he said, many of you have left your first love. What was your first love? Does some of you remember when you gave your heart to Jesus? Whoa, what a day. What a day. And so literally right here, he's saying, you once burned with passion for me. You once longed for me. But the love of many has grown cold. And the second sign of this is, but he who endures till the end shall be, uh, be saved. He who endures till the end. Well, for me to get to the end, I got to have a starting point. You can't end if you don't have a starting point. He who ends or endures till the end. And so he's dealing with believers. And the word endurance here means to hold one's ground in conflict. To bear up against adversity. To persevere under pressure. Do you know another definition of lawlessness here when he says lawlessness will abound? He says people will begin to live out of their own intelligence, their own calculations, and their own qualifications. So within the church, we've now decided that as people, we've progressed past the word of God. We don't have to obey the God. We know more than God. And if you really are a Bible-believing Christian, you go back and you can study how God created man, how God created the marriage institute, how God created the family, and now there's an attack on every one of them. And guess what? I'm not trying to win a popularity contest. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'm going to live by the Word of God. I'm going to preach the Word of God because only the Word of God helps me. So when I see this lawlessness, even within the church, let's change the Ten Commandments and let's make the Ten Commandments Ten Suggestions. God, God really wouldn't want me to live with just one woman, one wife. God's okay if I have a bunch of side tricks. No, he's not. See, again, God never told us to redefine the Word of God. Turn to Matthew 7, and this is what I'll end with. Pastor, you're really preaching today. Mm -hmm. You know why? Because I see what's happening with this area of obedience in my own life. And I want to obey God. Not only do I want to obey God, I want to obey God quickly. When God speaks. Do you know in Ananias in chapter Acts, uh, Acts 10, the Lord said, Ananias, and you know what he said? He said, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Woo, that's me. I, I want to get to a place when the Lord speaks. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Matthew 7, verse 21. Hang in here with me, okay? We're getting really close here to a place of stopping. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, I could hear some emergency brakes being pulled. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. So is confessing the Lord and Savior Jesus, is that not real? No, it's real. I mean, Romans 10, 9 and 10, he says, you must believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is saved. But it's interesting right here. He said, those who say, Lord, Lord, shall, shall not everyone who says, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. So this is just a half truth. Look at the rest of this verse. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. The word does means the one who obeys Father God's will or his word. So again, I don't get saved by good works. But when I get saved, there ought to be some changes within me. There ought to be some evidence. That dude got born again. So I look at this. Just think about this in this scripture here. I'm saved by grace through faith. So if part of my salvation is through the grace of the living God, then if God graces me for salvation, God is going to grace me to do the work. I, I'm not telling you. This is big for everyone. Father God, grace me to obey you today. Grace me to obey you. Father God, I want to obey you. Grace me to obey you. Verse 22. Many, oh my gosh, there's that word again, many. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many mighty wonders in your name? We've spoken your name here and here and here and here and here. How many have ever done any of those in the name of Jesus? I have. Verse 23. And then I will declare to them. I will to declare to them. Those who have professed or confessed Jesus as Lord. I will declare to them, those who've prophesied in my name, those who've cast out demons in my name, I never knew you. Whoa. Many. And I'm going to give you a little taste of something. This day's going to come. And when this goes down, can you imagine the eternal gasp that we will hear? People who actually thought they were in because of one confession of faith. And Jesus says to this, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. He wasn't talking to the world, guys. He's talking to people. 
that at one time in their life confessed Jesus as Lord or were ones that prophesied in his name. But he said, I never knew you. And when he says, you who practice lawlessness, you know what that tells me? You may have prayed in my name and you may have confessed my name as Lord, but you didn't obey me. You rebelled against me. You who practice, practice lawlessness. So the only way that I walk in these blessings is when I get to a place in my life where I say, oh, Father God, I want to obey you. Let me tell you a little secret here. I'm not preaching perfectionism, okay? None of us are going to be perfect until we get to heaven. So what are you preaching? When I blow it and I disobey God, Father God, I repent. And I repent. I, I don't like to blow it. I don't like to do those things. Do you know in Proverbs 24, 7, it says a righteous man will fall, fall down seven times, but he gets back up. See, the question isn't, are you going to fall? There's going to be times in your life you fall. The question is, you get back up. So how do I get back up? You ask the grace of God to help you. You know what God does? God will grab you by that belt loop back, back there, and he'll lift you up and he'll say, I got you. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get back in the game. I want to grace you. I want to mercy you. I want to help you today. And so you begin to figure out here, obedience is a big deal to God. Not a little deal. It's a big deal to God. And so this may describe you. I desire heaven, but I lack the passion to obey God. How about this? How well do you obey? How well do you obey? All you can say, Father God, grace me to obey. I want to obey you. And so there's things that go on in my life, and I realize, Father God, I want to obey you. I want to obey you. I want to obey you. And so I'm, I'm preparing for all this this week. And things just begin to happen, and things begin to happen. And we have this thought, again, God's going to bless us. God's going to bless me when I obey him. And so even in my life, in the area as simple as this, if God puts in your heart, just pray today. Spend some time with me. Give me 10 minutes. And I blow that off. And I act like that isn't a big deal. That's disobedience to God. And there's times in my life I've done that. And I've used an excuse like this. Well, Father God, I, I need to study. I need to do this or this or this. But when God asks us to do something at that moment, do I obey it? Do I take great pleasure? I want to obey you, Father God. I'm going to ask you to stand up right there where you're at. Does the continuing of sin, does that define you? Does lawlessness define you? See, here's another good one. Do I obey my wife more than I obey God? I've been married almost 40 years, guys. I love my wife. 
I love my children. But God's saying, do you love me more than them? And I'm not, I'm not talking about being ugly to anybody. But when I say, I'm going to do this to please my wife, my kids, my children, instead of pleasing God, I'm crossing a line that God takes notice of. And he does that with me too. And this is what's going on with me. And I want to obey you, Lord. I want to obey you. Every sacrifice is based on preference. Every sacrifice. It'll be a sacrifice to obey God. My discipline fails me. My knowledge fools me. So I choose to ask God to grace me. Grace me to be disciplined to obey you, Father God. Grace me to understand you know more than I've ever known in a split second, just like that. See, here's the thing that God's really, really, really working on this guy with right now. A thing called timing. God has a time. It's his timing. And when I choose to obey God, I stay in a timing of his blessings. And there's times with me, this is how God deals. Whoa. He pulls those rings back. And he says, whoa, whoa. I, I've got timing too. And that's some of you in here. There's a timing. And even in this area of timing, if you'll obey God, God is working, Okay. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. Father God, I thank you. The God of obedience today. The God who said, I delight in obedience above sacrifice. Father God, right now in your house, with all the different ages in here, Father God, you know our hearts. You know every one of our hearts. And so maybe you're here today. And you say, several of those verses applied to me. I've put work over obeying God. I've put, I put pleasure above obeying God. I, I've put family above obeying God. Or you may be one of those who said, I've, I've confessed Jesus as Lord, but I hadn't obeyed him like I need to. Ooh, a good hope for you today. Our God is not only the God of a second chance. Our God will forgive. Our God will heal. Our God will restore. Our God will rain grace on you. Remember, he said, where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. If you've had a history of disobedience, remember this. Where disobedience abounds, grace abounds that much more. And I believe it's this. Father God, I, I welcome Woo, I welcome grace today. Grace to save me. I've been saved by grace through faith today. So what we're going to do is we're going to have our prayer team sing here today, our praise team. If you're here today and you say, man, I, I need a move in my life in two ways. I need to confess Jesus is Lord, and I need a grace that's with me, I'm going to obey God.
I want to obey God. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.